Following Christ, would you pray with me? Almighty God, open our hearts and minds so that we may find the path that leads to your kingdom here on this earth. Through Christ we pray. Amen. First of all, I'd like to wish everybody a happy new year. This is the last Sunday of the Christian liturgical year. So we are starting a new year next Sunday, which will be the first Sunday of Advent. This last Sunday of the year is typically celebrated as the Reign of Christ Sunday, or sometimes it's called Christ the King Sunday. Each year on the last Sunday of the Christian calendar year, we reflect on what it means to think of Christ as our King. Our passage this week raises some interesting questions about thinking of Christ as King. When Jesus was brought to the Jewish leaders to Pilate, by the Jewish leaders to Pilate for punishment, Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? <clears throat> of course, this was a loaded question. The Romans had full control over the region, and as far as they were concerned, they were the only ones who were allowed to decide who was the rightful king. Claiming to be a king on your own accord was tantamount to, changing, to challenging Roman authority. Such a public challenge could certainly be answered with swift, brutal response. Interestingly, Jesus answers Pilate's question with his own question. Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? To Pilate, this may have seemed like a simple question, but Scripture tells us <clears throat> that there are significant implications to this question and the answer that you give. In chapter 16 of the Gospel of Matthew, we read where Jesus was questioning his disciples about his identity. Quote, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. For Pilate to ask this question on his own is an indication whether God has revealed Jesus' identity to Pilate, or he is simply repeating what somebody else has said to him. So Jesus' question to Pilate is not just a clever way of avoiding the issue of challenging Roman authority. It's a test to see if God is communicating directly with Pilate. Pilate's response tells us that he has no idea who Jesus is. Pilate replies, am I not a, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Pilate is clearly responding only to the accusations of the Jewish leaders. He's been dragged into this story by chance. According to the Gospel of John, he is simply the Roman authority figure who happened to be in charge when the Jewish leaders brought Jesus forward for punishment. He doesn't seem to know anything about Jesus in this encounter. So he asked Jesus why the Jewish authorities want him punished by the Romans. The Jews have their own laws and they can enforce with certain penalty limits. But the Romans have authority to exact brutal, lethal punishment which is what the Jews, the Jewish leaders wanted for Jesus. 
Pilate wanted to know what Jesus had done that was so bad that the Jewish leaders were seeking the Roman form of punishment for him. Again, Jesus doesn't answer Pilate directly. Jesus replies, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Rather than explain the misconceptions of the Jewish authorities, Jesus offers some hints about himself. The statement that his kingdom is not from this world reminds us of the lesson that he gave to his disciples who were trying to position themselves for dominating leadership roles earlier in their ministry. Jesus addresses this issue in chapter 10 of the Gospel of Mark when he calls his disciples together and says to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The kind of kingdom Jesus leads is very different from the kingdoms of this world that Pilate would be familiar with. When Jesus presents the hypothetical statement that if his kingdom was from this world, his followers would be fighting to keep him from being handed over to the Jews, I think one possible interpretation is that he is not talking about the nature of his kingdom. He is rather talking about the nature of his kingdom rather than being isolated from his followers. So you could interpret this statement to mean that his followers were incapable of reaching him. So they could not save him. But I doubt the heavenly host was incapable of reaching Jesus. I think he is more likely speaking about the nature of his followers. If Jesus' kingdom behaved like the kingdoms of this world, then yes, his followers would probably be violently fighting the Jews to save him. But that is not how his followers operate. At this point, Pilate is completely confused. If Jesus has followers, then he is a leader of some type. Pilate asks Jesus, so are you a king? But again, Jesus doesn't directly answer Pilate. Jesus responds, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Jesus now seems to be talking past Pilate and speaking to the one reading scripture. Jesus reveals that his life purpose was to be sentenced to death by Pilate, who ordered that the inscription, King of the Jews, be placed over the top of Jesus' cross. Then Jesus was to be resurrected as a testimony of the truth, Everyone who is led by the Holy Spirit to recognize the true identity of Jesus as the Messiah and Son of God belongs to the truth. Pilate, who does not seem to be able to hear God's voice or recognize Christ, continues to stumble along the path of being the one who orders the crucifixion of Jesus. 
Reflecting on this passage raises many questions for us. How do we see Christ? Who do we say that Jesus was or is? Do we think of Christ as a king? And if so, is it because we heard it from someone else? Or is it because of a personal conviction made known to us by God? These are all deeply personal questions that each of us must bring to God in our own way and in our own time. The more we reflect on them, I think we're given a deeper understanding that can move us from a superficial acquiescence based on cultural expectations to an authentic belief that we can personally trust as much as the law of gravity or the expectation of a sunrise when we wake up. And as our faith deepens, the way we live our life changes. Recognizing that Jesus Christ really is the Messiah motivates changes in behavior based on where we feel Christ is leading us. At that point, we truly let Christ reign in our lives. But we might also be wondering what it means to let Christ reign in our lives. I think this is another personal question that requires deep reflection and discernment. There are broad assumptions about what following Christ looks like, like showing compassion to the poor and suffering, being good stewards of the gifts God has given us, including creation, and being compassionate to others. These are general lessons that Jesus gives us in Scripture. But there are also unique callings that each of us have, which requires us to make conscious choices about our response. Some of them may be relatively easy to follow, such as participating in local church ministries or offering community support. But some may be quite challenging, such as serving the poor in shelters. While serving in Chicago during my seminary training, I worked with a homeless support program that offered food, clothing, and services to homeless and the poor in the downtown area of Chicago. After working there for several weeks, I started to get to know some of the guests, and I had the opportunity to learn about some of their stories. One person that I enjoyed speaking with a lot was a woman who was living in the local homeless shelters just so that she could serve other women and children who were also homeless. She didn't have a lifestyle issue or a particular dilemma that forced her into this situation. She chose this way of life as a way to serve Christ. This lady was actually from another city, but she felt a calling to spend her life serving and mentoring younger homeless women and children throughout the country. She traveled from city to city as she felt called and stayed in each city until she felt it was time to move on. Before serving in Chicago, she had served in homeless shelters in New York and Houston and other big cities across the country. Interestingly, she told me that her calling was really not that unusual because there were other women who had met, she had met who had the same calling and served in various homeless shelters around the country in the same way. They gave up most of their personal property so that they could be with the poor and serve them wherever they were needed. This was not an organized group or a religious order. It was a mix of just different individuals who had heard a specific call from Christ to serve the poor. And they decided to let Christ 
completely reign in their life. I consider my time with this person an amazing gift. She encouraged me to listen for my own personal calling, have regular conversations with Jesus, and follow wherever Christ leads me. She reminded me that everything I have is a gift, including my own life. My gifts to God are the choices that I make in using the gifts God has given me. They don't have to put me in a financial distress or relegate me to poverty, but they inspire me to openly share and be compassionate and be grateful for not only the things that I have, but the relationships that I have as well. This coming week, as you celebrate Thanksgiving, I invite you to take stock of the gifts that you've received from God and reflect on your relationship with Christ. Then think about how Christ may be calling you to serve in building God's kingdom here on earth. If you have heard this call before, but we're afraid to answer it, that's okay. Sometimes we're called to ministries that stretch us in ways that might seem overwhelming at first. But through the grace of Christ, we can change our path and make a new decision to follow his lead any day, any time, any moment. Following Christ may not be the easiest path to take, but it's the most gratifying and fulfilling way to live our life. Amen.